Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we want to welcome you to the Sabbath School lesson, and this week's lesson is called The Call to Stand, and this is for September 9th through September 15th, and this is the 12th lesson in this Sabbath School quarter, and I honestly, I'm looking more forward to this one than all the other ones, mostly because it's on a topic that I'm very, very familiar with. One that I actually, uh, I've done children's stories on and (laughs) sermon, you know, sermon on it. And it's, it's one of my favorite topics in, in all of scripture and it's the armor of God. Um, and here, you know, I want to go ahead and read the intro for this because again, I really like the intro. I think it sets a good tone for what the entire lesson is during the week. So with that, um, I'm going to go ahead and give the memory text, and it is, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this is in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. But before we get into it, uh, Robert, you want to go ahead and uh, open up with prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, as once again we open your word this morning, we ask that the Holy Spirit will give us a greater, deeper understanding of the armor that you supply that we may withstand the all of the wiles of the devil as is expressed in this verse. We pray for wisdom, understanding, and discernment, not only for us, but for our listeners as well. Uh, we ask your blessing on uh, our discussion over this study this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So with that, let's go ahead. I'm Elder Nick. I'm joined by Robert Noah. And we want to say thank you for listening in. And again, this week, like I said, is uh, it's a topic that I am very, very familiar with, which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's this one really actually does touch me. I think a little bit more, just mostly based on on the imagery and the topics that Paul is talking about in this week's lesson. And I'm going to go ahead and read this intro, and it says. Bleary-eyed, the servant stumbles out of his lodgings and sees an alarming sight, a large, well-equipped, and hostile army with troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Speaking to the prophet Elisha, he stammers out the news, along with his harried question, Oh, sir, what will we do now? I'm pretty sure a lot of us been in a situation where it seems overwhelming and, you know, the odds are against you. And this is kind of what is being seen right here is they're basically surrounded by a large, large army. And I think it was somewhere uh, around, I think it was like between five and 10 to one. I mean, it was a pretty massive army that was coming after Elisha in this situation. But Elijah responds, don't be afraid for there are more on our side than on theirs. A response that fails to register in the face of his servant. Who I'm pretty sure looking around and seeing like his the men of Elisha were all like, you know, kind of scared. You know, being surrounded by an enemy is terrifying. And he says, "Oh, sir, what will we do now?" Elisha responds, "Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs." A response that fills its register in the face of the servant. Elisha, pulling him close, prays for him, "Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see." The prophet's prayer is answered immediately. The servant steps to the ramparts again, but this time the veil between the seen and the unseen lifts, 
and he now sees that one, not one army, but two. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. This is in 2 Kings 6, chapter 6, 15 through 17. In composing Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, Paul prays for an advanced, enhanced vision for believers so that they will be able to see the full reality of the great controversy and to draw hope from what is revealed to them. Now, today we kind of have enhanced vision, you know, in a combat situation, we have night vision, you know. At that time, you know, they didn't have any ability to see beyond where the firelight of their uh, torches or campfires were being shown. So, in this situation here, you know, Elijah's looking out, he sees that they're surrounded by an army, but he's not scared. You know, being the prophet that he is, he was able to see that there was more to the picture around him than what his own soldiers were able to see, his own people. And imagine being the servant and having that that haze, which when we look at today, a lot of Christians have that haze. They don't see the great, as I said, the great controversy around us. But imagine being that servant, having that veil lifted up, and then just seeing nothing but God's army around you. You know, that is probably a very powerful image to see. And it's so funny that there's so many other references when you look at through scripture that talks about chariots of fire, God's army that's willing to defend God's people. And it's such an interesting topic because I, I like, I like watching that show, Ancient Aliens. Mm-hmm. It, the term chariots of fire is used so many different times throughout human history. You know, describing uh, these beings, you know, that come down and do miraculous things or are seen by only a certain amount of people. And it, it's such an interesting and powerful image that, you know, the, the concept of chariots of fire being shown to Elijah and to his servant, it's quite impressive. I mean, to see that, and then we know what happens later on in that situation. You know, we know that, you know, God's army basically disables this enemy of Elisha's, just like decimates them. And it's it's something that today, I think, for us, as we are preparing ourselves for the second coming, as we're getting ready for the return of Christ, we need to be prepared ourselves. You know, when God's judgment occurs, we need to make sure that we're on the side that sees the angels and not, you know, being blinded by anything else. Well, I would, uh, I like to, you know, kind of compare this to uh, Thomas after uh, Jesus's resurrection, because. Elisha was a prophet, as you already mentioned, but he he was a man of great faith. So he wouldn't have necessarily needed to physically see God's army to know that when God gave his word, that the army was there. Yeah. So the the servant is kind of like Thomas when Jesus said, you know, seeing you have believed, but blessed are they who have not seen and still believe. And... You know, that's a, that goes 
right along with what's written both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, where it says, and the just shall live by faith. Um, but, you know, um, believing without seeing the physical evidence and uh, and just knowing that God has given his word and he has never failed to be uh, sure of it. Like I say all the time, you know, God does not expect us to have blind faith. Mm-hmm. Faith, just like anything else, is built up over time. I use the, the story of the, the, the kid in the basement that I talk about all the time, you know, or the dad in the basement, and then he turns off the light because he's getting ready to come upstairs, and his son comes to the stop, top of the stairs, calls down into what he sees as a black hole, Dad, are you down there? And he says, yes, jump, and I will, ca- I will catch you. The dad looking up can see the sun silhouetted in the light, mm-hmm. but the son looking down sees nothing, but he jumps because his dad has always kept his word, and he knows that if his dad says he will catch him, he, he will catch him. So that's faith. Yeah. Not because he can't see the father, but because he trusts the father so much that even when he can't see him, he's still going to take him at his word. Hmm. Now, again, you know, I just had an image pop in my head of, you know, being in a dark basement. You know, I'm the kind of person, as soon as I turn that light off, I am running up the stairs because I don't (laughs) want, you know, the the monsters in the basement to get me. (laughs) So that's a much braver dad than I am. (laughs) Uh, I was... Uh, I had plenty of fears. The dark was not one of them. I uh, um, always had the sense to think that there was nothing there in the dark that was not there in the in the light, and uh, uh, <clears throat> that's not always true. I, you know, I've tripped and fallen, and run into <laughs> stuff, but <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's a it's a call of experienced trust that is built over time. Yeah. And I want to continue it in this discussion because there's the imagery that we see in the very first part of this lesson really gets reflected throughout the rest of the week. And it, it goes on here where Paul is talking about the, the church's war against evil. Now, some will think, oh, it's an actual physical church, uh, um, a faith that is fighting against evil. It's really you. It's your what you're doing to help in this fight against evil. You know, well, when it was in Revelation, what says you know, and there was war in heaven. This is not a physical combat. This is a battle of ideals, mm-hmm. and just like you've mentioned already, you know, the part we play is deciding which side we're going to stand on. Yes. And that's, that's, that's key. You know, when Paul is talking to the Ephesians, you know, you got to remember too, the Ephesians were just learning about Christ. They were just learning about God. They were just learning about the faith. They, they understood the Jewish faith and they knew that this is where it came from, but this was more of a, (coughs) a enhanced lesson, I guess is the best way to put it. It was like a furthering of their knowledge. It was a furthering of the testament of the Lord. And they were learning this, you know, in the <laughs> beginning, just trying to figure it out. And, you know, it, it throughout this entire 
quarter so far, it's been a building upon building upon building upon faith. You know, building that foundation, building the structure, getting the walls up, getting the roof over their heads of what it means to be in the Lord's favor, to understanding God, to understanding what sacrifice Christ had made on our behalf. Now, once you get the walls up and everything, you know, if you just, you doing construction, you doing all that kind of work, if you just take some glue and just glue some boards together and put it up, doesn't really have any strength. Right. You know, what we're seeing in this lesson is now this is the nailing of everything. This is putting the shingles on. This is making sure that the, the roof has tiles. This is the part where now that you have your structure, how are you protecting that structure from the elements? And this is what Paul is trying to talk about here. You know, it's, it's one thing to have the knowledge, but it's a completely different thing to be able to use that knowledge to identify the evils in the world, to avoid them, to keep yourself out of temptation, to keep yourself out of sin. You know, you need to walk around with this, quote-unquote, armor of God. And he explains to him what he means by it, because around this time, the Roman army and stuff, they were everywhere. There was battles happening on every front, you know, with warring nations, new countries, tribes. They, they were fighting everywhere. So a lot of people were either conscripted to the military or had served the military or knew somebody in the military. So the imagery of using the military as a descriptor of what people should be doing was much easier for people to understand. Right. Um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, knowledge and what you do, uh, right. you know, using the knowledge you have. You know, I was told once that knowledge is what you know. What you do with it is wisdom or foolishness. You know, uh, whether you accept the, the knowledge you have <laughs> and utilize it or reject it and do something contrary to what you know, mm -hmm. which would be fool foolishness. Um, that on, you know, you you mentioned uh, ancient aliens and the chariot of, chariots of fire, and but going to another uh, cinematic visionary, you know, the um, in uh, National Treasure, you know, the, he puts on those classics oh, yeah. made by Benjamin Franklin that has the different uh, lenses and yep. gives him a, a different perspective of what's written on the the Declaration of Independence. You know, using that type of Im imagery, you know, our our worldview has a great impact on how we see what's going on, mm -hmm. both in the world and in the church. Um, but you know, if if you take those glasses and you, as you've already mentioned, look at everything through the filter, you know, because you're using different lenses, but every t you don't have to know. Uh, be able to quote the Bible front to frontwards and backwards, mm -hmm. but you know need to know what the Word of God says. Yes. And if something is contrary to what you understand, that if you take those glasses you're wearing and you put and you view everything through the filter of the great controversy, knowing what God's will is and knowing that everything else is a contradiction, and when you see something happening in whether it's society, politics, uh, or once again, even the church, and you take everything and you look through it, who benefits through this decision that we're about to make? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Is it going to glorify God or is it going to counter what we understand of God's will? Yeah. And you and look at everything through that filter of the great controversy. It's going to give you a deeper understanding, but it's also as we're going to go into this lesson, God teaches you how to defend against and we have the exact same armor and weaponry that Jesus uses used to be victorious. Yes. I love that you use the national treasure <laughs> reference because that is, that's one of my favorite movies, <laughs> but it also brings up a thing like me and my wife talk about it all the time. You know, like I tell her she's beautiful. I tell her, you know, she's perfect the way she is. And she always says, no, you got rose colored glasses on. I'm like, I'm happy with my rose colored <laughs> glasses, you know? And, but it's absolutely true. You know, it, it falls in line with that, that saying of, you know, putting, you have your blinders on. Right. You know, for anybody who's uh, an equestrian, you know, a lot of horses to keep them on track so they're not getting distracted and trying to wander off, they have blinders on. Right. And <clears throat> one of the bigger reasons they have blinders on is one, not to be distracted by anything around them, but two, not to be afraid of stuff because a lot of horses in urban settings will have blinders on because if you have cars driving by you really quickly, it's going to spook the horses. Right. And that same reference can be used with a lot of people today, not just, you know, those that are non-believers, but even those in the Christian faith, a lot of people have blinders on to certain things. They don't want to see, um, the evils that are actually in the world. They don't want to see the sins that they're doing. They don't want to see these things, and they keep those blinders on. But there's others that have the blinders on so they don't see the truth. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so there's that. So that's that's multifaceted also. But what I really want to talk about here too is, you know, it's when you take the blinders off, you put on those glasses to see the truth around you, and that's key. You need to see the truth. You need to be prepared for it because, you know, one thing that I've noticed, especially in my own life, is when I start looking at things that, you know, that's around me, things that even I've done, you kind of feel different about it, especially when you are trying to build that relationship with God. You're trying to prepare yourself, you know, to to being a better person. And the the crazy part about it is as – you are starting to establish this relationship. The one thing that's guaranteed to happen is Satan's going to attack you. He's going to make you question your faith. He's going to make you question where you are at in your life. And he's going to use the people around you. He's going to use the influences around you. He's even going to use the sins that you have fallen victim to before to kind of to, to entice you to step away from Christ and this is what Paul is really trying to get people to understand. You know, when he says, you need to put on the full armor of God. You know, and he describes what each of the armor pieces are later on through it. You know, from donning the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet and sword. You know, these are things that you need to have equipped as you walk in this world that's flawed. Because you're going to be attacked, and not necessarily by quote-unquote evil forces, but you're going to be attacked by those that are closest to you. Absolutely. You know, those that haven't found their way to Jesus yet, those that haven't found their way to God yet, they're going to attack you. 
And it, a lot of times it's not going to be necessarily coming out and saying, you're absolutely wrong in what you believe. No. <laughs> a lot of times it's going to be, they're going to see a change in you and they'll be like, you're different. Right. What, what's going on? You know, why are you now doing these other things? You know, we enjoyed you doing these other things with us, but now you're not doing those things. So as you're going through this process and he's basically letting them know that this is going to happen, but you need to guard yourself, you know, but guard yourself in scripture, guard yourself right. in God, guard yourself in the knowledge that you are gaining from these lessons that Paul is teaching. And trust me, there's, there's going to be times you're going to take the armor off <laughs> and you're right. going to feel the difference in the attacks. Well, uh, two things. Number one, you know, having the full armor of God as you went through the individual items, we haven't gone in depth, but you, you meant, you mentioned them all. Um, there is a shield of faith that, you know, Paul says, you know, we can use to quench all the fiery darts and people have a tendency to just want to hide behind that shield of faith and forget that there's a sword of the spirit. And sometimes you have to go on the offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, you know, I mentioned in a sermon once that, you know, that blocking the darts with the, uh, with your shield of faith is all fine and good, but if the pointy end of that sword doesn't come around that shield every once in a while, you're not going to gain any ground. Oh, you're no. going to be stuck right where you're at. And uh, the other thing is the um, having a conflicting view with somebody on, on uh, different understandings of truth. Um, you know, you know exactly how I feel on truth that it is absolute and exclusive. That there is only by definition only one. Mm-hmm. And, um, but trying to badger somebody over the head, even if it's truth, is counterproductive. Mm-hmm. If somebody has a different understanding or a disagreement with something that I see as relevant truth, I want to sit down and both of us open the, the Word of God, and I'm going to see, I, I will show the truth as I understand from mm-hmm. scripture and that's what I want in return. And maybe both of us are going to come together or come in a better understanding of yeah. what the actual truth is because both of us could have, you know, a little bit of a misunderstanding one way or the other. And so, and that's why I talk about when um, there are issues in the church that need to be uh, addressed it needs to be addressed with the right person in the right spirit mm-hmm. because if it even though you know just like it says in Jude some you want to you know be gentle with but others you want to yank them out of the fire yeah you know but it takes it is a gift of the spirit to know which is relevant to which situation and if you do not have that gift you need to leave that to the people that do because you can cause a lot more damage than good, <laughs> even though your intentions are good. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and just out of, you know, things that I've seen and experienced as an elder, you know, we've ran into many situations like that. <laughs> right. Where, you know, it really comes down to, to tact, knowledge, and understanding and compassion. Right. You know, 
if you're lacking in one of those, then you need to have somebody else who's stronger in that aspect, whether it's tact or whether it's understanding or compassion or knowledge, you know, having those extras there, those reinforcements help in dealing with certain situations. You know, we've seen a few times, you know, even in this church where one individual will step and try to do the right thing, thinking with all good intention. It's always good intention. But we've always seen in situations like that where they don't have the reinforcements behind them that they're stumbling. Uh, To me, as soon as something becomes a a conflict, uh, that's kind of a not really the word I'm looking for, but um, if it turns into a debate, now you're just trying to prove your point Mm -hmm. and you've lost sight. Jesus never entered in debates ever. All he said was thus saith the Lord, you know, how re how understand you the scriptures. And usually they were left speechless because, you know, and that I think we really need to take, yeah. that example to heart when we're dealing with any type of situation. I don't want to get too far off subject because I feel like this can lead. Oh, no, no. It's it's it, perfectly it, fine because it, it, it actually goes into this very next paragraph right. I want to get into in a second. Well, that's why I said I, I know it's relevant, <laughs> but I don't – it can it can lead uh, – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can, we can talk the rest of our time here just about um, dealing with uh, situations instead of getting into understanding the armor of God. Like, we're, Oh, yeah. And well, one thing I was going to say too is, you know, you got to be pretty gutsy to debate Jesus, you know, the Son of God, right? <laughs> you know, either it's either, you know, courageous or foolish. <laughs> well, when it was every time he says, you know, how are you to share the scriptures? Everybody, where the in the Old Testament says there, where it says, "Thus saith the Lord." That's Jesus speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's like it, it's trying to debate a master it's you're not going to get what you think you're going to get out of it <laughs> right especially when the your opponent is the one who wrote the word <laughs> right yeah it's it's always a funny topic when you see people online try to argue or debate somebody not realizing that they're arguing with the author of whatever manuscript or right. text that's written thinking oh i know more than the person who actually wrote it and I know a lot of Star Wars fans out there are very particular about this kind of subject because George Lucas has come out and said certain things and the fans are like, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. And it's like, well, he wrote the book. He, he <laughs> created the whole Star Wars universe. Right. You, you know, it's the same kind of situation. It's like you don't want to be in that. Right. You know, I'll but, just, it's not productive. And I think I mentioned this the last time you and I uh, did a, a lesson together, but um, you know, I've seen people with uh, literally a doctorate in philosophy and uh, and divinity, and but they and they can quote vast portions mm-hmm. of the Bible, but they don't allow the Bible to define itself, and so they read a passage and then. They spend hours and hours and hours contemplating the, and putting their own ideas. Yep. And 
So me, who is relatively uneducated, I don't think I'm stupid by any means, but I do not have any degrees. I don't, you know, um, I see things in the scripture that are simple truth that are just easily understood. Mm -hmm. And I've seen these people with doctorate, post-doctorate degrees that cannot see what I think is absolutely plain because of the way they try to uh, put their own ideals into interpreting scripture. I think it's a, something that I had mentioned before too. It's it's a difference between having book smarts and, and street smarts. Right. You know, you got to have a balance of both. You know, it's good to know the book, but if you don't allow the book to to develop your experiences and you're just focusing <laughs> on the book itself and not what it means and having no experience, you're not going to get much out of it. Exactly. And it's kind of the same thing here with what Paul is trying to tell the, tell the Ephesians. It's like you got to have this knowledge when you go out there. You know, you need to have this relationship. You need to have this protection on as you go out into the world because people are going to challenge you on it. And I want to read this paragraph because I think it it really sums all this up. It says, <coughs> Battle exhortations in the Old Testament, for instance, underline the idea that Israel's success in battle does not depend on the superiority of its own weapons or an army that outnumbers its foes. Rather, Victory results from depending on the presence and power of God. The key to the Israelite success was not confidence in themselves, but firm trust in God's power and his provision for their success. Paul makes bold use of these themes to exhort believers to be, one, active in pursuing the church's mission, which is, we're doing elections right now, and the pastor and I have had this conversation too, and I've had it with a couple other people about what is the mission of our church? What is our goal? What are we trying to achieve? And we all need to be united on that and believe together that that is our mission of this church right. for the next year or next two years, whatever. Two, attentive to the unseen dimensions that impact their lives and witness. Now, there's two parts in this one. The first one is you need to see what's going on around you. You need to have an understanding of what your life is doing, how your life is being impacted by the world around you, and then bear witness, basically, is what he's saying. You need to be a witness to this. You need to testify that I have seen this, but because I'm following God now, I'm now this. You know, you need to have that witness because that witnessing is, is very important. It's something that's powerful. That's, um, you know, you, were, you just said, you know, how... Um, everything affects your life, but I think the witnessing is how your life affects everything else. It's that balance. <laughs> right. it's, what's the world affecting you, but how are you You're affecting, affecting the others? World. Right. Yeah. And then three, cognizant of the divine provision of their, for their success. That's basically saying, as you walk through this life and you're building that relationship with Christ and God is blessing you, you're not blessing yourself. You're not... Right where you're getting to in your life isn't by your own doing. It's by the blessings of the Lord and the protection he's provided and the guidance he's provided for you. You know, God is leading you. And if you recognize that and say everything, every success I've had in my life was not on my own doing. It was because God supported me. God was there and he provided. I think, you know, as you read, you know, through the beginning of that paragraph, 
where it talks about, you know, the victory. And I'm going to use, you know, the Israelites uh, conquering Canaan. Um, God didn't just show Israel, but all the other, you know, city-states and all the, you know, nations and kingdoms that they came across, they had heard how God, you know, intervened and won these victories regardless of military force or in the uh, instance of Jericho, I mean, the walls fell down. <laughs> and, I mean, there was a battle that took place after that. You know, oh, yeah. But it was, it was not, you know, because of the military might of Israel. And, you know, they all started saying, you know, well, maybe we shouldn't attack these people because their God fights for them. It wasn't until the nations were able to draw Israel away from God that the, uh, that they were able to obtain victories. And, you know, you go through, uh, especially the books of, of Judges, you know, it seems like every chapter, you know, God raises a champion and brings the people back to God. They become uh, liberated from their oppressors and become victors. And then the the very the very end of the chapter or the very beginning of the next chapter is, but they fell back into their old ways and started, you know, and just for the audience to understand, that was a spoiler. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, that they're, uh, you know, you're only victorious mm-hmm. while you're abiding by God's precepts. Well, we take a look at any any story in in the Old Testament plays right into that provision right. to begin with. Look at Daniel, for instance. You know, Daniel was only able to see or <coughs> understand and interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream because God showed it to him. Right. He didn't say, I know what you're doing. No, God showed me what it was, and God provided the and Joseph said the same thing. Yeah. And the interesting thing, too, about it is, and this is, I think, something that's very interesting about most, I want to say most, but... A lot of Christians today, you know, they, at that time, non-believers were recognizing God's power more than believers were. Exactly. And you're seeing that today that, you know, miracles happen and those that are, that say they are closest to God are blinded, are blinded by it. And we're seeing non-believers seeing more God than we are. And, again, it comes down to that blinders. But also, I think another thing, too, and, it, and this is the fourth part of this uh, paragraph, the fourth part that Paul is describing, says, always alert to the importance of unity and collaboration among believers. This is where the Christian faith struggles big time with, is that there really isn't unity among the faiths. Even though we understand that in Revelation it talks about there's going to be a unity that we don't want to be a part right. of, <laughs> but this is more among the people within within the church. Well, uh, I think I've mentioned this before also that uh, a lot of uh, non-denominational churches and even uh, I can't remember uh, the bishop's name that called for Unity of the evangelical yeah. community, um, but 
what he one thing that he said, and as I've actually heard uh, when I visited a non-denominational church, is, oh, that's just doctrine. We need to be mm-hmm. unified just for the sake of unity. And like, well, if you're not unified in truth, what unifies you? Because uh, if you're like, oh, you can believe whatever you want, it's just important that you believe, where's the unity? Yeah. Because if you, the, my dad told me, if you, the on, there's only two types of people that are completely at peace. Those that have all of the truth and those that have none of the truth. Because as long as you're trying to mix truth and error, there is always contention. And if you're accepting this truth and rejecting this truth and somebody else is accepting that truth and rejecting this truth, you guys are not unified. Mm -hmm. And I just want to bring up an example, too. Um, A couple months ago, uh, and this was all over the news, um, the L.A. Dodgers were hosting a Pride Night. And this Pride Night had a group of individuals that basically <coughs> dressed in a way to mock mock the Catholic Church. And it stirred up a lot of anger among Catholics in that area. And Catholics all over the world because it felt like the Dodgers were, you know, basically condoning, condoning this kind of activity. And I had mentioned this uh, in a Sabbath school class about there was the whole event was weird. The way it was played out, the way that people were responding to it was was one thing, but it was the fact that they had a, uh, I guess like a bishop or somebody part of the Catholic Church, a leader, a leader in the Catholic Church in that area, who was saying some very interesting things. And this is this is something that Paul was kind of was really trying to enforce is that we need to have this certain knowledge and this certain understanding. And he said, and this goes on the unity part. If you are not Catholic, then you are it was something about if you're not Catholic or following the Catholic faith, you are wrong. You're not in the right. You you're blinded. And it was very interesting that he was at an event that was trying to unite those that were following Christ and basically chastising and condemning a large portion of people because they weren't Catholic or didn't follow the Catholic doctrines or follow the Catholic faith or church or anything like that. He's saying if you're not Catholic, then you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. So it it was so subtle that if you had to really pay attention to it and you had to understand what was being said. Because most people that are out there are probably like, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. But for those that do understand scripture that have been reading revelations that have an understanding of Daniel's visions and understands what was happening at that time. You're a little bit more aware of the situation. And when you're in a combat situation for anybody who's been in the military or is currently serving, you have this understanding it's situational awareness. Mm -hmm. That is key, especially not just in the military, but in anything that you're doing, you have to have situational awareness. You need to know what's going on around you so that you can protect yourself, especially if you're in an area where construction's happening or there's electricity being uh, dealt with or something big, heavy that's moving. You need to have that awareness or you can get seriously injured or die. 
the the bishop I was I mentioned earlier was uh, Tony Palmer. If you want to, he's he was killed in a motorcycle accident. But if if you want to look up his address, um, he's not Catholic, he was not Catholic, but he was speaking on the b- behalf of the Pope. <laughs> you know, no, so I- so uh, I mean that that kind of does narrow down where his loyalties truly lie, regardless of the collar you're wearing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot, I, we, you and I have both mentioned this before also that, you know, Satan has some snares that are just blatant out in the open, you know, and you're, if you have any knowledge of the great controversy at all, and you you see it, and you can avoid it. And those are for those that don't have that connection. Yeah. But he has very, very, very subtle, you know, snares that if you do not know what God says, you can be pulled away. And, you know, just like I just mentioned about, you know, the children of Israel during the the time of the judges, he knows that, you know, it doesn't have to be blatant, but if he can just pull us off, you know, take that ne- needle off a of true north and draw draw us away while we're unaware, and he's he's gained a victory. Oh yeah. And we have to we have to be diligent uh, to understand and we have to pray for that ISAV, you know, like Elisha's servant, that our eyes can be open, that we are aware of the deceptions that Satan is throwing in our path. And we have to pray for this gospel armor that we will not only have it, but know how to I mean, be trained in its its, its use. If mm-hmm. and you take a military force and you give them body armor and a, and a weapon and just send them to a battlefield without going through basic train, ba- you know, in the army, it's BCT, basic combat training, or um, advanced training. You know, it do- it doesn't matter. You know, a you're not going to have a unit, mm-hmm. which is you know, as a you know, as they say, you know, as the key word in unity without the Y. Yeah. <laughs> um, to make another movie reference, uh, which they actually showed us while I was in basic training, um, the. But, I mean, you you have to be instructed and trained, and exercise, and even once you graduate, you are always training mm-hmm. to maintain your proficiency. You know, once you think you know, oh, I've studied, and you know, I'm I'm good. But you, you, you quit studying. It's like that uh, that story I tell about the the watchmen on the walls, you know, with their they're up there telling their old war stories. Yeah. And they see the enemy coming, and they go to draw their swords, and they're so rusted they can't get them out of the sheaths anymore. <laughs> they're 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 dull because they haven't been maintained. Um, and when the enemy comes, it doesn't even acknowledge them because they're not a threat. Yep. You know, and we can be get become so overconfident in what we think we know and what we understand. And even if you were once 
truly proficient and a, a you know a great warrior for Christ and all of a sudden you become complacent and a, a threat comes and you find out that the enemy doesn't even see you and worth it's worth its time to stop and mm-hmm. take care of you're like you know <laughs> yeah so we have so <coughs> this is actually <coughs> really good because this does go on to the fact that as you said we need to be proficient in in the armor right and for anybody who's actually put true armor on it's not light nope it's not <laughs> it is very very heavy but because it's there to protect you, it's there to keep you safe, it's there to make sure you can accomplish your mission. But you need to have that strength to be able to bear that weight, to bear and wear the armor. And Paul says in this lesson that that strength that you need to have is only provided through the understanding and relationship with Christ. You know, Jesus is your strength. He is your power. And as long as you're maintaining that relationship and you are staying true to that relationship, the armor of God will be easy for you to put on. But when you, like you said, you start becoming complacent, and you get to the point where, you know, it's like, I'm fine, I'm good. You know, I know who Jesus is. I I think I'm safe. And this is where a uh, a lot of people today are at. Do you know who Jesus is, or do you know Jesus? Exactly. That's the question. Yeah. You know, well, I... I served with, with guys, you know, as you mentioned, uh, battle armor is, is very heavy. Mm-hmm. Plus, we were carrying a rucksack between 85 and 100 pounds of uh, battle rattle, depending on your situation and the time of year, because winter battle rattle weighs more than yep. uh, your, your summer gear. Um, but there was a lot of guys that would only wear their plates on the front of their vest, they wouldn't put the plates in the back because of the weight. And you ask them, you know, hey, what are you doing? They're like, well, I don't ever tur- plan on turning my back to on the enemy. Well, we are planning an ambush, and you don't think that they're planning an ambush and can come up behind you. <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't always go <laughs> the way you think it's going to. It's like, we know an ambush is coming because we're going to be ambushing. But the enemy is also understanding that we're about to ambush them, so they're going to ambush us, which we now understand that there's an ambush that's going to happen after we ambush. Right. So, but, no, it, it, yeah, it makes actual sense. I mean, you, my, my point is not just militarily, but, you know, with the gospel armor, God has given you a full set. Utilize the full set. They all work together in unison. And it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because, you know, as we're going through this lesson, you know, it does talk about <clears throat> the impending cosmic war that's happening between good and evil, between God and Satan. You know, basically, we need to be prepared for it. And in part of this, it does talk about the fact that, you know, we need to have the full armor on. But we have to also, like you said earlier, because I'm kind of spoiling, but, <laughs> but you you just can't stand behind the shield of faith. Right. You need to use your sword, which is the sword of the spirit. You know, you need to actively train in swinging that sword. You know, not just defending yourself, but advancing as well. Because in any war, you know, you want to gain ground. You don't want to lose ground. Because the minute you start losing ground, and 
I think a good understanding of that is uh, the Spartans. Mm-hmm. When they were fighting the, uh, the Persians. The Persians. One of the tactics the Spartans utilized was to gain ground. But the Spartans by themselves were amazing you know, they tacticians. Were, they were soldiers from the day they were born, pretty right. much, and that's all they did was be soldiers. You know, that's what we should be. And one of the tactics they utilized quite a bit was they would take one step, hold, take one step, hold. And these phalanxes that they were doing, and the phalanxes basically they were just completely covered with their shields. And they would open up every so often, and they would strike. But it was to force the enemy back. And in one of the battles. They pushed the enemy to an edge of a cliff. And in that situation, if you were the enemy, you didn't want to lose ground. So you were trying to do everything you can to gain it. But you were fighting against a superior force, which was the Spartans. Right. That's where we should be. We should be pushing, pushing, and pushing, pushing sin and evil to that cliff. They also, because they were soldiers by trade, that was their occupation. Uh, they understood that unity mm-hmm. and that you were only as strong as the shield beside you because in that phalanx position, your shield didn't cover you. Your shield covered the person next to you and the person next to you mm-hmm. covered you. And they would also, uh, because the, the guys behind you, when you went to take that p- step forward, they would push, so you're mm-hmm. not just one man pushing. You are a unit pushing yep. forward together, and they would rotate because if the front person in the front was starting to get fatigued, they would put a fresher body up front, and they would rotate at the right moment. So, yep. and that, you know, as a church, we all have our different functions, but we need to work together as that disciplined unit and push forward and gain ground like you were, you were just saying. and But every once in a while you need to recognize that maybe the person on the front line is getting a little fatigued and you need to rotate him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and take that, that weight off of him and let him support you for a minute. Yeah. And it, and one thing that was also very important to understand, too, is when you look at how they operated, they all operated on the same mission, the same goal. There was anybody who disagreed wasn't utilized because if you're going after an objective, that's the goal. And that's when you look at how the Spartans operated, like you said, they operated as one. It was one unit. When one got tired, they rotate out. When they take one step forward, the person behind you pushed you. You know, it was it was very mechanical. It was very purposeful. It was an and understanding. Very efficient. <laughs> very efficient. And this is what Paul was trying to tell us in this lesson this week, is that we cannot do this on our own. We do need to be part of a unit do need to be able to bear the weight of the armor that God is providing for us. We need to recognize who our foe is, and we need to have a plan as one with the strength of Christ, with God on our side, to move forward. Right. To to make to, to take on the victory that we know is coming, and we need to see that victory coming. And that 
that idea is kind of what I was, I didn't go deeper into my, my sermon last week, but it was about not growing well, weary and, and well-doing. And that was to be persistent, you know, to even when, you know, you start, you know, to feel that pressure and don't give up because, you know, we're yeah. that close to the victory. But with that, that was this week's lesson. I mean, it's <laughs> we could probably go on and on again in this one because it's such a a very interesting topic. But with that, um, I just want to say thank you guys for listening, and we hope you've learned something from this week. But also, I want to let you guys know, too, that we do have another podcast that's going to be starting soon. And I don't want to give too much details away, but expect a new podcast from from this church, from from what we're doing. And it's going to be very purposeful and very impactful. And I look forward to having you all join us on that one. Um, we'll give more details later on. But with that, uh, I'll go ahead and close with a quick prayer. We thank you, Lord, for providing this opportunity for us to come together and to learn more about your word this week. And we want to be able to bear the weight of the armor that you have provided for us, not just one piece, not two pieces, but the entire set. We want to work as one unit in your mission to save this world, to save the people here, to save as many of your children as possible from, from the ramifications of sin. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask for forgiveness of our transgressions, and we look forward to another week learning more of your word and growing closer to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There, you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Mm-hmm.